0: listening to First Church Charlotte. God bless you as you start heading back to your seats. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you. It's an honor to bring the word of the Lord anywhere, anytime, place. but since this is my favorite church to preach in, I'm glad to be here, and we are continuing a Bible series of study that we have embarked on on Wednesday nights about the ethics of God. Now, when I say that, very few people get excited, very few people... Uh, leap to their feet and say, my God, I needed that. <laughs> uh, but I promise you, it is very much a part of being disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? And I have used as a theme passage a little bit of a interesting passage of Scripture in John 8 where Jesus is replying to the religious crowd there, the priests and the Pharisees, and he says, If God were your father, you would love me. This is verse 42. 43, he lets them know they don't understand, and they're not even able to listen. In verse 44, he says this, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. That is a key Understanding. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want. To do, uh, We are talking about ethics, and tonight I'm going to entitle this, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, before we before we go any, any further, uh, let me just really quick take a moment and let's pray over this tonight. And let's prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me right now, Lord Jesus? We come to your word to learn. We come to your word to glean, to grow in understanding, to grow in doctrine, to grow in submission. Lord Jesus, speak to us in this house tonight according to your will in jesus name we pray and somebody say in jesus name god bless you you may be seated well you aren't standing so i'm so used to you standing i say that reflexively real quick the first lesson on ethics we talked about ethics and the and the nature of god and i really sought to have each of you understand that ethics are not a plan of salvation ethics are a response to the holiness of god the nature of god and all christian ethics flow from his nature Christian ethics flow from who he is. We are not to be of this world, we are to be of another kingdom. We are not to represent the values of this world. We are to represent the values of another kingdom. We are not to live by the wants and the lusts of this world, the lusts of our flesh. And this is only available to us through the spiritual transformation of our hearts unto the nature of of God, we must be partakers of the divine nature, and so the whole point of the new birth is the transformation of our hearts, the transformation of our minds, the daily refocusing of our affections on that which God values. And if we fail to do that, then we will never, uh, we will never be holy like He is. So I want to say something provocative that I will deal with later on. I don't know if I'll get to it tonight, but I want to start your, your brains working in this direction because you're going to have to consider this, uh, for a while for it to settle in. And that's simply this. You cannot obey your way to holiness. You must be transformed into his likeness. If we could obey our way to the nature of God. Now, when I say holiness, I'm referring to the nature of God. We cannot obey our way to the nature of God. We must be transformed. This is why Jesus could say to a religious professional, you must be born again. It is through the transforming of our hearts and the transforming of our wants that we become holy. That's the point of the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't matter if you did not sin. That's a higher rule. You need to lose the desire to sin. So they said, uh, don't commit adultery. I say, if it's in your heart, it's the same thing. Do you you understand? Uh, So we do not not obey our way to the nature of God. We must be transformed by His Spirit. We do that through the daily uh, crucifixion of the lusts of the flesh and the daily focusing upon the attributes, the characteristics, and the nature of God. Be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. And so we are going to look here that... Ethics comes from the nature of God. And secondly, we talked about the ethics and the manifestation of God. When we live right, again, this is a subject you have to think about. When we live right, it is just as much a testimony of God as if we act spiritual. <clears throat> Do you see? We live the nature of God by living ethically. The most dangerous people in the church, or the most dangerous dangerous person in the church, is the person who has talent but not character. <clears throat> because they are <clears throat> claiming to represent a God, they are claiming to represent a way, they are claiming to represent truth, but their greatest witness is is the life they live, not the words that they say. And so I'm glad if you fall out on Sunday, but if you leave on money and cheat your employer, you might as well not have fallen out on Sunday. You cannot cover the lack of ethics with spirituality. So I've said it in many different ways. Let me say it this way. The gifts of the Spirit are dangerous to people who do not have the fruit. Of the Spirit. And so tonight I want to talk from this subject. Where do we go from here? Uh, we have established that ethics do not flow from the commandments of God. They flow from the nature of God. Let me say this. God is not trying to manipulate us. God is trying to have fellowship with us. Yes. Do you see? And so we are challenged then to live a certain way, not of this world. And when I live and I'm satisfied with the fact that I want the lusts of this world, I am just like my father, the devil. (laughs) That's what Jesus says to a religious crowd. You want what your father wants, the lusts of the flesh the lust of the world, there's a better way. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the infilling of the Spirit of God. We must be partakers of the divine nature. So let me get started here. I've got a ways to go. Uh, We should care about ethics and we should study ethics because uh, we see in many places in the New Testament, the apostles instruct us to this, and they do so repeatedly and in a, uh, a very uh, strong, clear clear way. For example, uh, we start from the Great Commission, where we are challenged to teach the people we have baptized to obey and observe what they have been commanded, uh, all things Jesus has commanded. Uh, John 14 and 15, Jesus says, if you love me, note the association with love, if you love love me, you will keep my commandments. And so our life choices become part of our worship. Jesus does not say if you want to be saved, keep my commandments. He says if you love me, keep my commandments. The motivation of the heart matters. We have a second witness on this in the passage of John 15 and 10. He says it in reverse order. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. There is many, many passages on this. Uh, For example, uh, Romans 13 and 9, 1 Corinthians 7 and 19, 1 John 2, 3 and 4, 1 John 3 and 22. You get the idea. There's a lot of scripture on this. Um, If we are going to be people that care about heaven's values and the heart of God, we're going to have to care about ethics because your heart will always find a way where you do not have to do something your flesh does not want to do. I'm astounded by the people the, the people who sit before me and with a straight face tell me that God told them to do something that I know, and anybody with good sense know God did not tell them to do. But if, can, if they can blame God, then they don't have to be responsible for their decisions. Let me give you a bunch of, pa- a bunch of uh, scriptural passages here as we move quickly through this. Um, this, is, this is language in the New Testament that sound like spiritual calls to ethics Not just fallen out, but spiritual calls to ethics. Number one, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is Romans 22 and verse number two. I'm now going to read Ephesians 5 and 10. Try to discern what is perfect pleasing to the Lord. Uh, this is Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We can't shout on Sunday and then make excuses for ourselves the rest the rest of the week. I'm going to read Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God i know i am giving you a lot of scripture i make no apology this is second peter chapter 1 verse number 5 <clears throat> for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge here is first john Uh, 5 and 3. For this is the love of God. Notice the association again with love. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And so, if we are going to live ethically, we need to understand this truth about God, God is not changing in the manner of a human person. He is not becoming. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our understanding and the revelation of God changes over time, but God in his nature does not change. And so we are left, if we are looking at ethics, we are left with this question, which we as church people have, for the most part, satisfied ourselves with appropriate answers, but unbelievers struggle with. So I want to be clear, What I'm talking about at this moment is not something you will struggle much with, or at least if you do, you won't talk much about it. But people outside faith and outside the church will struggle with this. How can we find Christian ethics when the ethics of the Old Testament are so often in contradiction or in opposition to what it seems we should do in the New Testament? Now, for us, we understand the progressive revelation of God. We understand how he worked with a family and then a tribe and then a people and then a nation and ultimately died for the sins of humanity and now wants to take up residence in your heart. We accept that. We understand that. We understand that in a different generation, things would have expressed themselves according to the generation understanding of God, and we don't wrestle with this, but many, many unbelievers wrestle with the the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament ethics. How do we we resolve that? Um, I want to, I want to first of all confess, without apology, we are, because we are the church, and we live in an age of grace, and we have received the promise that was made to the the fathers, they did not receive it, but they looked at it from afar and acknowledged they were even so not of this world, but they were pilgrims and strangers, but we have received the presence of God in our life. Because of that, we are primarily focused on New Testament ethics. Why? We're in the New Testament. Um, we are primarily focused on New Testament ways of being because we have been recipients. Of the gospel, can I have an amen? Amen. We are not walking only with a nationalistic sense of religious identity. We are now identified with the manifestation of the timeless God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want to explain though that God is the same, and you will see this in the Old Testament, you will see this manifest. Through the Old Testament, uh, let, me, let me give you an example of how we would approach uh, looking at ethics from uh, lo- even looking at the, the Ten Commandments. Um, I'm not the first one to come up with this. This is well established in uh, systematic theology by my, many, many scholars. But uh, the first and most important element of the Ten Commandments is how we protect God's honor. Stay with me. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Commandment nine, you shall not bear false witness. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. These are all ethical, the ethical foundations of protecting God's honor. Of this... Distinction, And of this principle, we have five of the ten commandments are about protecting God's honor. So let me say it this way. How we live when we claim to be the children of God does not just reflect on us. It reflects on the one of whom we claim to be a part. And that's why I have spent this time this time that i I have um, intentionally carved out to talk about ethics in the church i have I have repeated myself and I will continue to do so that the way we live testifies of the kingdom we are a part of. And just as in John chapter number eight, Jesus could look at the most religious people of the day and tell them in spite of their keeping Torah, they were of their father, the devil. Why? We read it. You want what your father wants. When our desires are in line with the principalities and powers of this world, religion and its label does not save us. So when, really quickly, so when you repent, don't just repent for your sins, but say, God, work on my heart. So I don't want the things of this world. Do you see we must be transformed if we're going to be of God's nature the only chance we have at godliness or God's character or God's holiness is if our heart values what he values if our life establishes the the values the the, the plan the kingdom that is of God because if we fail to do that no matter how detailed our rules are, we will be of the kingdoms of this world. And so, uh, we must protect God's honor. Can I have a big amen? Uh, we should, we should care. And oh, let me say it this way: we should understand that how we live is just as much a part of our worship as how loud we clap in church. And I want you to clap loud in church, but I want you to also bear the kingdom of heaven as an ambassador to your world. Uh, the second principle, we might say, that you see in the Ten Commandments. Of the next, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, um, five other categories. Uh, Honor your father and your mother. This is protecting human authority. I want you to see how in the New Testament this is broadened. In the New Testament's broadened, not simply to protect human authority in the terms of your mother and father, but you're also supposed to submit to the laws of the land, unless you have to choose between what God has commanded and the laws of the land, in which case we choose what God has commanded. In the New Testament, this is broadened, but in these principles of ethics, God protects his honor. He also protects human authority. Thirdly, you shall not murder. God protects human life. It is not ours to take away. It was God's to give and God's to take. Number uh, commandment number seven protects marriage or shall I say covenants. You shall not commit adultery. Uh, the next principle is protecting property. You shall not steal. And lastly, you should protect your heart. Do not covet. These are principles of ethics. So if we're to understand this, and we understand this is of God, I want you to see how these principles, although there are things that happened in the wars and in the the fightings and in the uh, civil law and all the ugly stories of the Old Testament, those reflect the hearts of untransformed people. They do not reflect... The nature of God because God does not. Change. And so I want you to see how in the New Testament, these same principles, and I, I could do a I could do a Bible study on each one of these and, and connect Old Testament scripture to New Testament scripture, but I think I would be interested in that longer than you were. And so since I, I, I want to move along, I, I, I want you to see how uh, these principles are in the Ten Commandments the protecting of God's honor, protecting human authority, protecting human life, protecting marriage, protecting property and protecting purity of heart. So there are levels of understanding if we're going to learn of ethics. Uh, There are levels. The first one is what I will call rules. Um, Rules tell you what to do in a situation. There is no requirement or no effort for you to understand why the rule is in place. It's simply a rule thou shalt or thou shalt not. It is simply a rule. I'll use the example given to us in Matthew 5 where Jesus is teaching in uh, the famous Sermon on the Mount. And he says this as part of his sermon illustrating the fact that rules will not save you, particularly Phariseic rules, your heart must be changed. He said, if a Roman soldier asks you to carry their military equipment, their, their armor, their, their baggage for a mile, you should carry it too. So let's, Look at that as a rule. If you see this simply as a rule, uh, you don't have to understand. You don't have to think about it. You just see it as a, as a rule. And uh, we would have read a lot about the Christians um, volunteering in Roman, Roman armies. If you see it as a rule. Because that's clear. Uh, there's no question about it. We know what to do. Etc., if you see this, however, as a, a principle, what you see is Jesus is talking about loving your enemies. Now, if you look at it from a principle, it suddenly broadens out a lot, it is no longer a rule, but it is a principle for living. Right. This, if we fail to understand the difference in rules and principles, um, we will we will set ourselves up to not only be an error ourselves, but we will set ourselves up for legalism. Legalism is the belief that rules can produce godliness in me. Okay. Everybody just relax. It's okay. All right. Legalism is the belief that we are saved by law, not grace. Now, if you are theologically astute at all, or if you've ever listened to much preaching around this church, you know, we do not believe law can save anybody. The law came to point out the fact that you can't keep it. (laughs) And since you can't keep it, you need to offer sacrifice. And that sacrifice will be imperfect until the perfect Lamb of God washes away our sins. And so, if you are inclined to legalism, you will make a certain kind of error that goes like this. I will find an absurd way to get around a rule that I have created. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, for example, uh, I will say, uh, "I do not do um, this is a sin," but then when I'm on vacation, <laughs> okay. So I have a, I have a. Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to tell that story. It takes much time. Uh, but, but the point is, is, is legalism will always give us this, this temptation to get around it in some strange way. And I won't take the time, but there's so many stories of the Pharisees are doing exactly this. They created this rule, but because they honored it as a rule, they found a way to get around it. Okay? A principle cannot be gotten around. A principle cannot be worked around, and that is the kind of understanding that we want to we want to look at. So, first of all, a rule makes no attempt to understand; it is mindless and it is heartless. That's why they bring the lady caught in adultery to Jesus. Uh, it's mindless; they don't ask for uh, context; they don't try to understand; they simply are ready to use a rule to kill. Jesus is unwilling to follow along with their heartless application of a rule, and he reminds them that if we are going to use rules, then no one can stand. That's important. Uh, And so you see... Uh, this heartless, mindless application of a rule. It's like a tripwire. You, you trip the wire, boom, the rule gets you. The principles, uh, of course, are uh, much more the why we are trying to do something. Jesus taught as though it wasn't enough for you to have a rule. You needed to think about the principle that was behind it. He taught as though you should worry about your heart in response to, to the truth. Finally, I've talked about rules. I've talked about principles. The third thing I want to talk about is convictions, personal, convert, personal convictions. Each of these things are directly related to our ability to perceive and work ethics in our lives. So we've talked about rules, we talked about principles, now I want to talk about convictions. Convictions are an individual's belief about God's character, activity, and will, and about what we should do in our circumstance in response to who he is and what he has done. Convictions are a healthy thing and the respect for convictions of others is a healthy thing. I eat in restaurants that almost all of them uh, have bars, and some of them have more bar than restaurant. In fact, since we're in uh, true confessions mode, sometimes on Wednesday night after church, me and my son will go run into a restaurant because we're trying to get home fast and eat at the bar. <sighs> Both me and my 11-year-old son are bellied up to the bar eating because he has school and I'm old man and tired and we're just eating fast and the whole wall behind the bar is uh, nothing but alcohol. My God, brother Nathan. Don't you believe that revelry is a sin? Don't you think that's a sign of ungodliness and wickedness and the ends and never come so fast? And, uh, but here, here's, the, here's the reality. Um, I, I don't, I've never had a drinking problem. I don't even like the smell of alcohol. I'm not saying I don't have temptations. Because if I do, you should shake your head and say, that's a line preacher. (laughs) I have temptations to sin. And I repent of the sin. And I ask God to transform my nature, not to desire that. Do you see? I want to be transformed into his image. I want to be born again. I'm not just talking about tongues. Tongues is a sign. I'm talking about being changed. I'm talking about not wanting what you used to want. I'm talking about not desiring what you used to desire. When you're transformed, you can be with sinners. And not be threatened by them. Why? You don't want what they want. But if you only have rules, you can't hang out with sinners because you always secretly wish you could partake in what they want. Come on now. Ye must be born again. Anyway, so me and my son sitting at the bar, um, I, I, I have no. However, if you come from a background where God saved you from alcoholism, and you think, God has brought me out of that. I'm never going to go into that kind of an environment again. I don't sit at the bar because I sent there too much as the old me. You see, that's a conviction. What you've done, you've considered what God's done for you. You have a thought what God has done for you in your context, in the basis of who He is in His righteousness, and you have a personal conviction. Okay, so these are three different ways in which we approach uh, the ethics, the ethics, the ethics of God, and we have, uh, rules and the Bible does not have many, uh, in spite of what some people want you to believe, the Bible doesn't have many rules, but it has lots of principles. There are some rules in the Bible and we start with the 10 commandments, not the 10 discussion questions. <laughs> Do you see there are rules in the Bible? Yeah. There are rules It's just that is not the primary standard, the primary building block of biblical teaching. Because with the change of generations, rules get where they're outdated. So, you come up with a rule, you cannot steal a horse. So you're super excited when they invent cars. (laughs) Bless God, Bible didn't say don't steal a car. It said don't steal a horse. So every time I see a mule, a donkey, a camel, or a Lamborghini, I steal that sucker as fast as I can. Do you see how you have made legalism into an absurdity? The point is to protect property, do you see? So um, there's not a lot of rules in the Bible. Um, There, however, are quite a lot of principles. And we must focus on these principles because our ethics is a direct representation of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Okay, so let me remind you again. You are Called, You are chosen, and you are invited to be spiritually faithful. You are. You are God's plan to manifest the values of another world in this world. Do you see? And so you are God's plan to manifest his dominion here on earth. That is going to happen through the 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 miraculous yes that is why we pray we manifest the dominion of god when the when the sick is healed we manifest the promises of god when we have testimony but we also manifest the nature of god when we live by a certain set of moral values and that is Necessary for all of us. It's not just true for you. It's true for me. Ethics are not just for the pew. Ethics are for the pulpit. And they're not just for the pulpit. They're for the organizational structure. They're not just for the organizational structure. They are for the highest office in the land or the highest uh, office in any religious fellowship. Ethics are unescapable because if you say you love God... But you do not love your brother. You are a liar. And yea, behold, verily the truth is not in you. So you cannot say you're right with God and then live wrong to the people in your life. If you get it right, your testimony is not just based on your plan for salvation. You don't have a plan for salvation. Jesus is your plan for salvation. When you get it right, what you manifest is not how you are holier than the people in your life. You don't manifest that you are of higher quality than the people at your work. What you manifest is you are not of this world. You've been changed. you've been changed. Yes. Now if you are greedier than your coworker, your testimony of Christ falls on deaf ears. Yes. Why? Because you're more of this world than he or she is. Do you see? Yeah. If you get matter angrier matter, matter as a hatter, angrier. Okay, if you get angrier, than your co- If you have more temper problems than your co-workers do, it doesn't matter if you talk in tongues in front of them. You are of your father, the devil. Why? You want what he wants. You must be born again. We must be transformed, not just to keep a list of rules so we can be saved. We must be transformed so we don't want what the world wants. We don't lust after the things the world lusts. We don't have to tie ourselves to the cross. Real quick, I'm going to end with the story. Musicians, come. So there was, um, I don't remember. This is not my notes, so I'm just going to have to go off memory, which is always dangerous. But, you know, I either have a good illustration or you have a good comment story to tell. So it's win-win. Um, there's a story in mythology of a, of a, a certain explorer. Um, I don't know if it was Jason or one of the explorers, famous explorers. He wanted to go by the island of the sirens. Odysseus, I knew I had a classical scholar here today. And um, Anthony, when he's not breaking plants, is a classical scholar. And so um, Odysseus, he wanted to sell by the island of the sirens. Hear me. And so he told his men, Tie me to the mast. He said, "and You guys fill your ears with wax. Some of us wouldn't have had to. We already have enough wax in our ears. We can't hear anyway. That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, they sail by the iron. T- I, and he was so moved by the seduction of the siren song that he begged his men to untie him so he could go pursue the lusts of the flesh and he begged him and he pleaded but because their ears were filled with wax they couldn't hear and so they were saved so that's the story well I heard a preacher uh, preaching that one time and uh, I was a young preacher and he preached it and he, he, got, he got done with the story and he, his message was tie me to the cross. Tie me to the cross. And I thought to myself, my God, that'll preach. Just tie me to the cross. You guys know there's a trick coming. You know there is. You don't say amen to save your life. Just tie me to the cross. I don't really want to live right, but they tied me up and handcuffed me to the church. <laughs> Sounds like a backlash slidden preacher's kid growing up in a church. I don't want to be here, but I have to be here. Just tie me to the cross. Well, I decided not to preach the message because there was something I didn't like. Although I was a sermon-stealing young man. Yes, I was. That's the only way we get good ones when you're young. You know, you got to steal them, suckers. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not steal a sermon. So... There's another story in Greek mythology. I can't remember this guy's name, but our resident Greek scholar may know the other guy's name. There's another guy who he also would sail by the island of the sirens. But the legend said he had a beautiful singing voice. And as he sailed by, he didn't have to put wax in his ears or anybody else's ears. Because his voice was so beautiful that it drowned out the siren call of the world. So how do we serve God? The Old Testament way is to tie you up with a billion rules. Can't wear cotton with wool. Can't plow with an ox and a mule. You understand what I'm saying? That's that's okay. The New Testament way is be ye born again, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Be transformed by the renewing, the daily, somebody say daily, the daily renewing of your mind, be transformed. Don't tie yourself to this and secretly wish. Let me tell you, if you tie yourself to God and secretly wish you could live out there, let me tell you about some things I want to know about you. You're going to have to go to a church where they don't have many weak people. Because you're always at risk of falling off the wagon. If you're tied to it, you're always going to be angry at people who God seems to bless who aren't paying as high a price as you are. And you're always going to think your rules make you holier. And none of those things will be true. What you need to do is formally reject your father, the devil, and ask to be adopted by another father. Yeah. And you need to help, not just repent of sin, but say, God, I must be transformed. I don't want to lust over a woman who's not my wife. Lord, teach me how to rejoice in the woman you gave me. I don't want to find a way to cheat. I don't want a short cuss. cuss a short cuss or a long cuss. I, sometimes a short cuss is fun, but anyway. <laughs> I don't want that. I want of another kingdom. That's all stand. Lord Jesus, I pray for your people. I pray that you would transform us, O oh God. I pray that we would be partakers of the divine nature. I pray that we would realize that when we are of God, the things of this world grow dim to us, and the lusts of the flesh become less important to us. We are transformed by your presence. That's why you could say you're in the flesh are going away but you're going to send to us a comforter your presence with us and it's for our benefit that this comforter would come the Holy Spirit you with us into our lives because that would be the divine nature and if we spend time in your presence if we seek your face we are spiritually reborn and we become of another kingdom And our lives become testimonies of your values, your nature, and ultimately, we are ambassadors. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.